Every true sheep of God is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God in our lives. And because we're blessed in America, we have the whole Bible, not just portions of Scripture that some parts of the world clamor for. We have the entire counsel of God's Word in our hands. And so I think one of the best things I could do as a pastor is to really instill in us as a congregation the ability to feed ourselves. What if once a week you came by and had a meal at my house? And my wife and I, we would do our best to have the house clean. My wife's an amazing cook. We would put a great spread before you. We'd have a lot of fellowship. We would enjoy our time. You wouldn't leave our house and go, all right, see you next Sunday, Pastor. Can't wait to eat again. No. Because you'd come back anemic. You'd just be like dragging in, you know. And I'd be like, well, we've got a lot of food for you. Open up. We're going to shove it in. Man, I wouldn't even be a very caring person. I would say, man, let me teach you how to make grilled cheese. Like, just let's start there, right? Here's the peanut butter. Here's the jelly. I mean, let's just let's start doing that. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to we're going to take our time, and instead of um, instead of putting all the burden on me, uh, we're going to break up into four groups. And this is going to it's going to require you to to turn uh, and just kind of get into some groups here a little bit. And it's okay. It's a little noisy in church. We're good with that. Kids, you know what? We want you involved in this conversation. We want you involved in this process. But what I want you to do is this. I'm going to have one group. I'm not going to number you off or pair you off. But one group's going to be up here. One group's going to be kind of in the back on that area. One group's going to kind of be in the back area over there. And one group's going to kind of form in over here. And if you need to just kind of move closer to some chairs that are here, turn around in your seats and whatnot. But here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to look at the scriptures and I want you to just begin the dialogue a little bit about what it is about this whole idea of um, of Jesus revealing himself in this way of the gate and the good shepherd. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have people on this side over here kind of look at this imagery of the gate. And here are the questions I want you to just kind of wrestle with a little bit. What do you learn about the nature, value, feelings, thoughts and person of God? <laughs> like how thoughts is split. That's, that's, it's great that it's on that word. Um, from this metaphor of gate, why would he choose gate? And then secondly, what implications are there for a disciple of Jesus and all this language about a gate? So I need right now two groups to form, one near the back, one near the front. On this half, I need you to look at the whole idea of a shepherd. Why does he call himself a good shepherd? And the same two questions. We're going to take about five minutes on this. This isn't like dive out, crack open the thesaurus, and just get like really artsy. This is start the conversation. Look at the text. Find out what's there. Break yourselves off. This is family time. This is a little awkward for some of you. You can press through and make it work. Here's what I need from you now. Um, someone, someone needs to be just a little bit of a, a voice for the group. Um, and we're just going to take a couple... <laughs> We're just going to take a couple of minutes. Yeah, if everyone just pointed at you, you're the guy or gal. Um, so, so here's here's our challenge: um, is we're we're not going to try and just plumb the depths of all that just was generated in this room. But I want to hear just a little bit of a synopsis. Um, I felt 
I felt more compassion on this side and gave them probably the easier side of shepherd, right? Because there's probably a lot more to, to work with there. But what I want to do is hear just a little synopsis for, for some of this of what was drawn out from your group. So we'll start with, with these guys up here talking about a gate. Um, we talked, we mentioned a lot of different things, just some that we brought up is that no one comes through the gate except through Jesus. Like someone pointed out that verse, mm. um, no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, it's a barrier, it, it offers protection. Uh, it, um, okay, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, oh, that's what that means, okay. So it allows the Holy Spirit to enter your life. Uh, it's, it's simple, but you have to choose to do it. Mm. You know, it's not like hard to get through, but you have to decide to get through. Mm. Um, everyone inside will be taken care of. Verse 9 says, you know, once you're in, there's green pastures mm-hmm. wherever you go. Um, it's an identifier as well, the gate. Like, if you're not going through the gate, you're, you're not to be trusted. Um, you're not in. Um, we have to know the voice of Jesus, recognize the gate, and uh, also the offers full life. Mm, great. I'll tell you what, um, just from the back, uh, additions to that, kind of what, what they just said. If there's, there's probably a lot of crossover with all of this. What I want to do is I want to um, just kind of draw out what, what came out from your group. So additions to what was just said from the front group here. Right, so along those lines, um, the gate is obvious. And it's not necessarily a secret way in. And we also thought that you know, there are thieves and robbers out there, and so the gate and the fence protect you. Mm. Right, okay, great. Mm. Right. Great. Uh, this group in the back here, shepherds. I just look over to Dwayne. Protector. He gives us what we need to survive. He gives guidance gently with a curved staff. He shares the pain and the experience, and the old shepherd lives with the sheep mm. out All right, additions to the, the front yeah, from the front group. Just a couple things to add. Uh, some that stood out for me was that the shepherd is not just a hired hand, not just there to kind of collect the paycheck. And, and his vested interest and care and love for the sheep uh, mm. himself. And you know, a couple of times he'll you know, uh, make sacrifices himself, whereas a hired hand is just kind of you know, this is part of my job description, I'm out of here. Mm. Um, the other thing that, uh, that was kind of a standout was describing uh, Jesus as the shepherd um, taking, the, taking the sheep themselves says a lot about us, and apparently there's quite a few things about how wayward um, and how helpless sheep are mm. um, physically, and uh, some real in- 
Yeah, yeah. Great. All right, listen, take your, uh, take your chairs, find your seats again. Kids, if you're not sitting with your parents, go sit with your parents. And uh, thanks for doing that. I know it can be a little uh, awkward when you just wanted to come and relax and not be put on the spot, but um, that's not what we're about. <laughs> so listen, in, in just a few minutes... Um, look at the insights and the different layers of gate and shepherd that, that drew out from that. And probably if we're humble enough and honest enough, we'd say, yeah, I didn't think of every last one of those at one cursory reading of this passage. Maybe some of you have really taken up my challenge to read ahead and say, here's what we're looking at this week. And maybe even in your own reading, you learned something from one of these groups in just a couple of minutes of looking at the scripture and having the Holy Spirit shed light on it and say, Here's, here are some things. Um, that's just the beauty of community. That's the beauty of not being a solo Christian who's just out there doing their own thing. It's a blessing to have one another and a blessing to learn from one another. Go, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. Or, gosh, that you really drew something out that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have really picked up on. Jesus, in using this good shepherd and shepherd language and sheep pen language, was, like I said, very, very accessible. It would be as if Jesus were speaking to a group of college students, and he said, I am the good professor. And every college student would immediately gather what that means. They live there. They're in that world. They go, I get that. I've had good professors. I've had really, really lousy ones. And when you say that, it's loaded with imagery. We have to do some work. I have to do some work. I don't know any shepherds, I don't think, real shepherds who tend sheep. And, and, so, and I've grown up here in San Jose, and we don't tend to do that as a, as a business here. So for me as a reader, I have to stretch. I have to go somewhere and do some research and think on it and slow down for two seconds. Okay, what is the shepherd all about? Why does he say it this way? Remember, when, as he's talking to his original audience, he's talking and saying, you know, I am the good professor i'm the good ceo or whatever things that we just go yeah we totally get that didn't have to bridge to to get there this this whole idea of of shepherding though and the idea of 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 what a shepherd is was language jesus didn't didn't come up with this on the spot this is language that the old testament if you read the old testament not even carefully you can just see shepherding language in there And in fact, this whole idea of God being for us a shepherd is is woven all through Israel's history. And so in in essence, by him saying, I'm the good shepherd, it even had more meaning because it was calling to mind, someone brought up Psalm 23. It was calling to mind, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. It was calling to mind these different passages that are there where that became synonymous with leadership. In just a week's time, in, 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 our, in our passage uh, next week, we're going to look at this, this whole idea of, of Hanukkah. And, and a part of the liturgy that's read for, for Hanukkah is out of, is out of Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. And, and, and essentially what it is, is it's a criticism for the false shepherds that had been leading Israel. And these false shepherds, ones who had, who had come in and meant the sheep harm, were actually out for their own good. And it was an indictment on bad leadership. And if God's our shepherd, and what we're to look to as the example, 
Uh, Ezekiel 34, it's a prophecy, and prophets just saying, these are false shepherds, and these are bad. And so, even at that layer, there's a whole other layer that's, that's going on here with the time frame of John chapter 10. I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 10, it says this, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and His arm rules for Him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Big, all-powerful, mighty God. That's what it's talking about. Listen to verse 11. He, this God of ours, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Isn't that a great picture of the sovereignty all otherworldliness that God is, and yet just this intimacy and this care and the way that He's chosen to reveal Himself, this is Old Testament. This isn't somehow God changed and became nice in the person of Jesus. He revealed Himself all along as the one who is sovereign and all-powerful and yet comes close and uses this term of shepherd. So it begs the question, how does God tend to His flock? How does he provide that kind of care and leadership? And I want to take a little brief aside here because it fits so well in with John chapter 10 and it's where we're at as a church family. And if you're brand new this morning, you're just going to be wrapped up in a little bit of family business. Bear with us. We're feeding you afterwards. What do you want? Um, Here's... Here's what Jesus during his time on earth said. He said this in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' heart was for the masses and he just looked at them and said, they're harassed and they're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They need leadership. I want to call to mind something that we talked about a year ago. A year ago, we took four metaphors that the Bible uses and I think there's very much good power in taking a metaphor and contextualizing it and modernizing it. But I also think there's power and relevance and importance in keeping biblical language. He revealed himself as a gate and a shepherd. So let's go there and try to figure out why he chose those things. And so one of the things we talked about was that the the church of God is like a flock. And so he went through all these different things. and, And if you remember with each metaphor, there were certain prohibitions we found. What does it mean that we're the flock of God? What are the things we're not to do as the flock of God? Here they were. One was don't wander off. Part of your job as a sheep in God's flock is not to wander. And we know all about that. The other thing here is don't ever quit. Don't ever quit following the shepherd. Those were two of the prohibitions. Not only were there big no's, though, for each of the metaphors... There were some expectations. What are things we can expect as the flock of God? Here they are. One is fear and worry. If God's revealing you as a sheep, sheep are not the most courageous animals, right? There's just fear and worry with being a sheep. You're not very high on the food chain, right? Not a lot of people come by and go, whoa, sheep, cool. They just don't. So worry is kind of a part of, a, a part of being a sheep. There's confusion. You want to see a bunch of confused animals? Just take a bunch of sheep and just, you know, take the, take the shepherd away and let them wander around. They'll be confused. 
Finally, there's, there's care and leadership. One of the expectations you can have about being in the flock of God is that God will provide for his sheep. And this is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible that just talks about that. He's already provided us the chief shepherd in Jesus Christ. I asked the question earlier, how does God tend to his flock? Here's, here's the other provision of God. God in his goodness has provided under shepherds to the church. The language is overseer or elder. The idea is a shepherd. And a lot of times us as Americans, we tend to think of authority as negative, bad, question authority, and it's always there for the negative. You know what? Um, your kids, they don't tell you this all the time, but they are really thankful that they have you. They're really thankful that they have someone in their life that loves them enough to be stern with them and say, no, you can't do that. I love you way too much to let you go get messed up in that line of life and thinking. Yes, you will be in at this time, and I will make sure my house is locked and that you're cared for for the night. And we should be thankful for leaders. We should be thankful for authority put in us. The problem is sometimes we're, we're wired by culture. We're wired by you know, individualistic thinking to think that all authority is somehow bad. God has said, I'm going to give you elders. I'm going to give you under shepherds. They're going to be servant leaders just like me. And they're going to be here to serve you and to protect you and to care for you. And they're going to be there because they love you. I put in your bulletin this morning a little write-up on elders. And I, I realize that I run the risk that no one hears a word I say after I draw attention to something like this. Because you start reading this, I'm cool with that because it really ties in with the message. So you can always listen to the online message afterwards. I put this in here because there's a lot of confusion about elders. Why do we have elders in a church? Isn't that just a carryover from some kind of medieval thing about churches wanting to, you know, have leaders and look like kings? And there's confusion there. There are a ton of pertinent passages that we could look at, but we're not going to this morning. I've put a handful in here. Some of the bottom lines that I want you to see is this. One is that we have set up our church structure based on the New Testament, not based on some handed down policy from, from somewhere back in Ohio or some you know, building or executor. Instead, we've said, what is from the Bible and what is scriptural and what do we have license and freedom to do and what must we do to be a New Testament, biblically faithful church? And as we read the New Testament, we see a plurality of leadership. Just one of the examples that I gave you is when Paul is passing back through Ephesus very quickly. He didn't go call for the senior pastor and get a meeting with him. It says he called for the elders of the church. Elders, plural. And he wanted to meet with them. And all through scripture you find this subtle plurality of leadership that's there. And it's not this stuff that says, this is God's man, he's the one who hears from God, and we all follow his voice. And so that's why we've set up our church that way. We also see in the scriptures not two distinct offices, one of paid professional speaking pastor who must run the Sunday morning worship service. And then a bunch of elders who come around and kind of are good at business. That's very American church. That doesn't fly with the New Testament. certainly doesn't fly worldwide church. So we haven't set it up that way. We see our elders as those who should be shepherding the church pastoring the church as much as what you would envision a pastor to do. If a pastor never knew, any, if I didn't know any of your names, if I just preached and walked through that door and left every single week off to my study, and then you read the Bible and you looked at how 
the elders eldered, you would think, wow, Dave's not very involved in my life. But I think we get it wrong when the pastor does it. But we do that same thing with the office of elders. We go, who are our elders again? I know they have this title. I know we voted once or something. I know, saw their picture. I think we had a barbecue. The, the, the elders should be in your lives. They should be, they should be shepherding. That's what, that's what the biblical elder does. So while there's many passages, let me just draw attention to, to 1 Timothy 3. And I'm not going to have us turn there for time, but you can look it up yourself. 1 Timothy 3 is talking about some qualifications. And it talks about this idea of public scrutiny, this idea of testing, that it's out in the open. It's not just that a council of Dave and someone else ran them through some Bible quiz things and they scored pretty good on it, and so they're in. It's very open and public. And, and there's, there's this idea that let them first be tested before they serve as deacons. Or as elders. And that's what we've tried to do with us. That's why we have what's called an internship process. We brought up these two guys, Jim Cook and Kel Cummins, last year. The start of 2008, while we were going through this series. And we just brought them before you. And we said, these are guys entering into an internship, an elder intern process. And it's going to be a year-long process. And the reason I'm bringing it up again this morning is this is kind of the culmination of that is that they have been serving. They have been in front of you. They have been to many of your homes. They've prayed with you. They've availed themselves to you. And on top of that, we've worked with Valley Church and their elder board and received some instruction and training. And there's just been some great synergy with that, of of another church helping us out with this process as we're establishing leadership. We don't want to establish leadership the way that we do just in culture. There may be some great things to that, but we want to do it biblically because God's given us clear instruction. It would be faulty if the only time we presented them to you before the church and asked you to make a decision was if we just said, here's a couple of names, tell us what you think, do it right now. And you'd go, no basis for judgment. So instead of even presenting them one time, we presented them over the course of a year. The second passage I want to draw attention to is Acts 20, 28. And I just want to read this. And the big idea here is this, that ultimately it is God who directs and appoints leaders for his church. We were not interested in putting through the effort and sacrifice that many in this room have gone through to establish a Bible-believing, God-honoring church in this neighborhood only to have, as this group right here brought up, hired hands get into leadership. That once the sheep started hurting, once it started getting really hard, once people stopped laughing at my jokes, that we just wander away and go, well, not in my job description. Fine. But rather that we'd have shepherds that shepherd like Jesus and just weep for the sheep and have compassion on them and lay their life down for them. So that's the kind of leaders we want. Acts twenty twenty eight says this, Keep watch over yourselves. This is, this is Paul to, to, to elders. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I want to call to mind an image that we used during this series, and it was this image right here. Here's a group of sheep, and here's what we would think of as a shepherd, right? 
And here's the picture that we tried to drive home last year. Is that in shepherding God's people, we are the flock. We are that group of sheep right there. The chief shepherd, which is another name that Jesus has called elsewhere in Scripture, is the man standing there. I want to just have you look for a moment at this sheepdog. Look where his eyes are. You know what that that sheepdog is? That's an elder. That's what an elder does. An elder watches for the commands of the chief shepherd. And when when the, you know, I can't even do it, but the cool whistle that I'm sure a shepherd must have to have, you know, like a double whistle means turn left, sharp, whatever. When that happens, the sheepdog doesn't go, hmm, let me pray about it some more. What did you say? They respond. Because the shepherd, the chief shepherd, has a way different vantage point than the dog. The dog still has four legs, is all furry, and runs around on the ground. So as an elder, really what we are is we're under shepherds. We're the sheepdogs of God. And we're, we're doing this for the flock, but our eyes are on the chief shepherd. All that to say this. You can read your bulletin more. You can talk with us more afterwards. But what we are wanting is this. We are completing the process of Kel Cummins and Jim Cook as lifting the term intern off. And they are both desiring to move forward in this and and to continue, really, to shepherd here at Neighborhood Bible Church. One of the other things that we're very intentional about and, and wanting to be purposeful about and seeking the Lord about is who is the next crop of leaders. It's not just that we have a couple of leaders in place, check off the list, oh, good, we have some elders. But who is shepherding? Who is God calling? Who is the Holy Spirit leading to continue to bear the burden and share the leadership of this church? And I want to just tell you as a little aside, these guys have been a huge, huge blessing to me. They've been a huge encouragement to me because unlike some pictures of elders, they haven't been guys who've said, look, that's your job, pastor. Get on it. I could be out of my house every single night meeting your needs, being with you, praying with you, visiting with you, being at all of your special events. And you know what? God's just put in my heart. I love that. I love it. Even when you chew me out. I really do. I love being with people. I love walking through life with people. But it's not meant to be on my shoulders alone. That's not how the Bible set it up. And so it's been such a blessing that not only intern elders, but those of you who are community group leaders, guess what? You're shepherding. You're doing the work of Christ for the flock. And so it just trickles right on down. All right. Man, we're going to split this message into two. That's what we're going to do. Instead of preaching for another 45 minutes, um, I know some of you are worried about some event happening later on today. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. Um, we'll, uh, We'll pick this back up next week. And even though your bulletin says that we'll be moving on in John chapter 10, you can just cross it out and say, in two weeks we'll be there. And it's just going to mess up the whole schedule all the way through summer. I love it. Um, so let me, let me close in a word of prayer. And let me, let me give you this as you, as you leave this morning. As we, as we dive into, into, into the rest of John 1, 1 through 21 next week, I want to I leave you with this thought. Um, this whole idea of provision, this whole idea of, of leadership, and this whole idea of shepherding is this, and this just hit me so much. This is why your title this morning 
is just this idea that Jesus is my shepherd. Because remember, Psalm 23, go read Psalm 23 this week, please. And then instead of saying, the Lord is my shepherd, this God who made all the nations, this God who wiped out all the firstborn to get us out of Egypt, this God who we're taught to fear and revere and be in awe of, has a name, and it's Jesus. And now Jesus comes along and says, I am the good shepherd. Salvation, this God that you've worshipped for years and decades, has a face and a name, and it's me. And that's why it's so profound that Jesus here in John 10 is revealing himself as the good shepherd and talking about the gate. And there's exclusivity in the language. And there's all kinds of implications for us as disciples and followers of Christ. So, homework, read Psalm 23. Continue the dialogue, maybe, of what went on just in your circles And we'll meet up again next week. And band, I want you to come up while I pray. Father, thank you so much for um, your word. I thank you for the lives and individuality of people sitting in this room, the unique perspectives that we have, the varied talents and likes and dislikes that we have. And yet, God, we can come together under this roof. We can find commonality in that we're sheep and we're in need. And that we're following the shepherd's voice. Father, I pray that we would claim the promise this week in our moment of need. And thinking in this context of what a shepherd provides for a sheep. That you did come onto this earth to provide life to the full. To grant us access to the abundant life with which we are hardwired to experience in you. God, my prayers for those who this morning would say, I do not know the shepherd's voice. There are many voices clamoring in my head for attention, many voices clamoring and saying, follow me. I lead to safety. I lead you home. But I cannot say I know the the shepherd's voice. Father, if there are any in this room that you are bidding, that you are calling that you are drawing. I pray that they would respond. And if that's you, I would just invite you. I'm going to be around afterwards at lunch. Approach someone with that. Ask the questions that you have. Find out what it means to enter by the gate. Lord, we love you. We thank you that that you're good to us. We trust you, Father. We ask for your forgiveness and for clarity of thought as we walk through life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.